The Cooking Up Sports with Gage Bulls podcast is brought to you today by Anchor. Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast for yourself. Make sure to get started on your podcast today at anchor.fm. Welcome back to another edition of Cooking Up Sports with Gage Bolts. It's another week. For some of you, it's been a full week of school. For some of you, you're starting school. For some of you, you've been at school for a couple of weeks. I mean, the grind is back, as I would call it, the grind is back for a lot of people. For those of you who have a full-time job, you're always you're always doing the grind, and, and, I, and I salute you. I salute you. Those of you going back to school, you know, you're feeling a drag right but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good news though um coming up i mean we have the byu utah game this thursday august 29th that i'm really hyped up for should be a great game i'm gonna give a little bit of a preview of that game that's in a little bit though today i'm going to start today's show off by talking about a team that you guys have been wanting me to actually preview for a while. A couple of you have sent in some suggestions. And this is a team you've wanted me to do a preview of before the season starts. So, here we go. I am going to be previewing the Chicago Bears 2019 season. Kind of give you my predictions. Not previewing, predictions. You asked me to do predictions. I'm sorry. So, for me... There, there's really nothing short of the Super Bowl that Matt Nagy can produce in his second year as the Chicago's as the Chicago Bears head coach that can top the unexpected resurrection he was a part he was head of in the 2018 season. In his first season as a head coach at any level in football, Nagy elevated a team that had suffered through four consecutive last place finishes in the NFC North to a division title and a 12-4 record. The franchise's best record, the Bears' best record in 12 years. But now the NFL Coach of the Year faces a whole new set of challenges in 2019, the most difficult of which figures to be much greater expectations than any Bears team has faced in at least, at least a decade. The 2018 season for the Chicago Bears really ended in a disappointing defeat in the wild card round. But the good news for the Bears coming out of that loss is going to be almost every key player in that round is back. This 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 schedule though for the Bears is going to be a lot more difficult than it was last season. In this 2019 season, they really face a slate that is tied for fifth most difficult based on last season's records. 2018, the Bears had actually one of the NFL's easiest schedules. That That's why they had such a great record of 12-4. and four. But Matt Nagy can do very well. He's, a, he's an impressive coach, coach of the year. He's, he's got a lot on his plate for him this season. And, I, and he has a lot to prove to Bears fans. Let, 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 let's talk about the offense for a minute this season. The Bears this season, they're going to hitch their wagon to quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. Really, for better or worse. I mean, 
man. Trubisky had a rookie season that we can't call impressive or we can't call disappointing. He, But what I liked about Mitchell Trubisky was during last season as a rookie, he showed some significant improvement in his very, what we would call, just mediocre season. There is some room for improvement for Mitchell. There, there definitely is. There's definitely room for improvement in every player if he wants to become the franchise's quarterback. Trubisky has definitely a solid ability, though, to escape the rush and make plays with his legs, helped turn potential negative plays into positive gains on multiple occasions last season. But Trubisky also really struggled with inconsistent accuracy as a passer. This is a flaw that must be addressed if he wants to live up to his draft status as the second overall pick. Now, let's also talk about another guy. We also have Allen Robinson the second. He missed all but three plays in 2017 because of a torn ACL. The wide receiver served notice that he could be Trubisky's go-to guy for many, many years. Starting slowly as he worked his way back to 100%, Robinson caught 55 balls for 754 yards despite missing three games. Entering his 20, his, he's going to be 26 this season. So here he is in his age 26 season. There's no reason that Allen Robinson shouldn't be all the way back this year to what we saw in 2015 and 2016 when he caught 153 passes for 2,283 yards. And on top of that, he also had 20 touchdowns. Taylor Gabriel also gave Nagy a gadgety weapon. He caught 67 passes for 688 yards last season. But the only downside was he didn't provide as many as big as many big plays as really the Chicago Bears had hoped. Anthony Miller, he was a very impressive rookie. He was a very flashy rookie. And he led the Bears with seven touchdown catches. But he really faded down the stretch in part of his chronic shoulder injury that the Bears hope this offseason surgery fixed. They also have veteran tight end Trey Burton. He had a breakout season in his first year with the Bears. But Chicago, they really need the athletic pass-catching weapon to take another step if the offense is is to do the same this upcoming season. Burton underwent sports hernia surgery in the offseason, but is expected to be ready by week one. Adam Shaheen, the 2017 second round pick, really needs to stay healthy this season, and he needs to turn potential into production after two, two disappointing seasons. The Bears also have third round running back David Montgomery. 
he's a much better fit in Nagy's offense than the departed Jordan Howard, particularly as a receiver. What remains to be seen, though, with Chicago is how he fits in with free agent addition Mike Davis, who has that similar versatility but lacks what we would call the wow factor of the diminutive Tariq Cohen. Montgomery does possess many of the tackle-breaking, make-you-miss qualities of of Kareem Hunt, who led the NFL in rushing as a rookie in the Chiefs' offense when Nagy was the offensive coordinator. So, he could become the starter very quickly. Very, very quickly. Cohen is more a complimentary player than a workhorse. Excuse me. Cohen is more a complimentary player than he is a workhorse. Although, he is an excellent receiver who led the Bears with 71, 71 catches in 2018. So, Nagy does intend to use all three in the committee approach he favors. That, that's, that's what Nagy's going to approach. The offensive line returns all five starters after right tackle Bobby Massey was resigned. But it appears left guard James Daniels and center Cody Whitehair will flip-flop their 2018 positions, putting both in their most natural spot. Daniels transitioned into a starter as a rookie after just a little, just a little after his 21st birthday. Right guard Kyle Long is a major force when healthy, and he's also a fantastic team leader. But the downside to him is he has a really lengthy injury history, having just played in 26 games the past three seasons. Left tackle Charles Leno Jr. doesn't really get a lot of credit, but he doesn't get beat much either. So th- th- there's the offense, really, for me with the Chicago Bears. That's, there's what's key. There's what's negative to it. it, it w- there was almost a positive and negative to every player I covered. Now let's talk about the Chicago Bears defense. The Bears, the Chicago Bears this season have entrusted new coordinator Chuck Pagano with arguably the NFL's best defense. Yes, I just said the Bears have arguably the NFL's best defense. Chuck Pagano, the former Colts head coach, replaces well-respected Vic Fangio, who was hired as the Broncos head coach. In four years in Chicago, Vic really built a powerhouse and almost every key contributor returns this season. The Bears lost safety Adrian Amos and nickel corner Brian Callahan in free agency, but they swapped in ha-ha Clinton Dix at safety and Buster Scrine at nickel, and any change is expected to be negligible. Sorry, I am, I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm a, just a terrible speaker. The Bears, though might even be better considering Clinton Dix has 14 interceptions in five seasons and was a pro bowler in 2016 with the Packers. And on top of that, Buster Scrine has 85 starts and nine interceptions in eight seasons. The unit will boast and boast this season pro bowl players at all three levels, including Akeem Hicks at left end, 
Khalil Mack, an outside linebacker, cornerback Kyle Fuller, and safety Eddie Jackson. The 2018 Bears led the NFL with 36 takeaways and 27 interceptions and also set a franchise record for fewest rushing yards allowed in a 16-game season. This is an impressive defense, ladies and gentlemen. Hicks provides stout run support and much better pass rush than expected from a 332-pounder. In his three seasons with the Bears, he has 21 and a half sacks. Mack stepped into a new system, and he led the Bears with 12 and a half sacks in 14 games while forcing six fumbles. Mack's overall play was rightfully credited with helping a great defense step up to the next level. I consider the Chicago Bears defense to be an elite defense. Kyle Fuller tied for the NFL lead with seven interceptions, while Eddie Jackson picked off six passes and returned two of them and a, refu- and a fumble recovery for touchdowns. In just two seasons, Jackson has five return touchdowns. The four pro bowlers get definitely 100% support from teammates who haven't yet received the same accolades but are valuable contributors. Nose tackle Eddie Goldman anchors the front against the run. And defensive lineman Bilal Nichols worked his way into the starting lineup by the final month of the Bears season. At inside linebacker, we have Danny Trevithan. He's a consistent veteran presence in both phases. While Rokan Smith flashed Pro Bowl potential as a rookie with five sacks and a team best 121 tackles. Then you have outside linebacker Leonard Floyd. He enjoyed his healthiest season yet, but has only flashed the massive potential that made him the ninth overall draft pick in 2016. Playing across from Mac really, really should help propel him to the next level where his athleticism and versatility allow him to contribute in coverage and make him a pass rush threat in addition to a sideline-to-sideline run supporter. Then you also have eight-year veteran cornerback Prince Amikamara. I, gal, I'm sorry, Prince Amikamara. He had perhaps his best season, arguably his best season, tying a career high with three interceptions. It let let's let let me give you my final analysis of the Chicago Bears. It is 100% possible that the Bears could be a better team this year and still not match last year's 12-4 and record because they face a more difficult schedule. But they only face a more difficult schedule on paper. 
we haven't seen them in the field yet. So right now they have the t- arguably the toughest schedule in the NFL on paper. Let me tell you though, this is a team built to win now, not in the future. This team is w- built to win now. This roster is full of ascendant players who are at their peak or are going to soon approach it. Pagano has vowed to Bears fans not to tinker too much with the successful defense that was built. Pagano inherits. He is inheriting a wealth of talent right there. In the defense alone. On offense, general manager Ryan Pace has helped produce players who better fit Nagy's offense. And it will be that unit right there that determines whether or not the Bears will advance beyond the first round of the NFL playoffs. Anything less would be a disappointment to Bears fans and all those in Chicago. It would be a major disappointment. My prediction, though, the Bears, I think, will be first in the NFC North. That's how good of a team I think they are. The Chicago Bears, very impressive team. Their defense is outstanding. Their offense, I I guarantee, will improve this year. Mitchell Trubisky will improve, ladies and gentlemen. I have faith in this kid. He had a very unimpressive rookie campaign. But I think he's going to come back and have a much stronger sophomore season. He's going to prove to us why he was that high of a draft pick. He's going to prove to us why he was the second overall pick. Okay, that's that's where that's what I really think. I think Mitchell Trubisky will very will improve. Matt Nagy's a very impressive impressive coach. He just had a coach of the year run, and he won coach of the year. So this guy's very impressive. He knows how to handle this team. Very good team. Now, let's. So that's the Chicago Bears for you. Let's move on to. My Utah at U- BYU, we have some predictions, we picks, odds. There's everything here for you. So you're gonna want you're gonna want to listen to this if you if you're pumped up for this game. All right, let's talk about BYU first. For those of you fans out there who are telling me it's a bit of a stretch to say BYU season hinges on beating Utah, you're li- you're a liar. It, for me, it really does. For me, it really does. BYU, their season is going to be hinged on this game. If you don't beat them, I don't think you have a good season. BYU has actually a pretty tough schedule. They, they actually have a very tough schedule. I mean, their first couple of games are insane. For BYU, though... For BYU, the football team and the fans, 
there is definitely a sense of significance to this game right out of the gate. You're going to want to win this game. If you win this game, and I will say this, if BYU wins this game, I believe they can start the season 2-2. Two and two. They can start out the season 2-2. Two and two. Okay, they could... If they win against Utah, they can either take a win against Tennessee, USC, or Washington. If they don't, I think they lose to Tennessee, USC, and Washington. And after Washington, they play Toledo, and we'll see how well they do that. Just in September, just in September, BYU plays Utah, Tennessee, USC, Washington, and Toledo. That is an absurdly insane schedule. Most college football teams at the level BYU is at don't even come close to a schedule like that. Cougars fans, it has been a full decade. It has been a full decade since your Cougars have knocked off the Utah Utes. The last win for BYU against the Utah Utes came in Provo. In 2009. It's been 10 years. Since BYU has beaten Utah. The simple point. Is this. BYU could use a win against the Utes. It would. Also be a huge building block moment. For a team. That returns some experience. On both sides of the ball. But this team overall needs a boost. This Kalani Sataki era, I love Kalani Sataki, one of the nicest guys ever. But I've talked, I've talked, for those of you who know me, and I've talked BYU football with me, some of you BYU fans are comparing this Kalani Sataki era to a Lavelle Edwards era. This doesn't even come close. The Lavelle Edwards era was insane. Absolutely insane. That man, that man. You can't even describe him as a coach. He was absolutely phenomenal. This Kalani Sataki era, though, is not that great. It has not been that great. Absolutely disappointing game against Utah last year. At halftime, I'm being completely honest. I thought BYU had the game. I kept watching because I it was actually pretty suspenseful. And why not see BYU get their first win against Utah since 2009? It's been nine years. They need a win against them. But no, they couldn't get it done. You go into halftime with a 20-plus point lead, and then you lose. You lost that lead. Jason Shelley really sparked that comeback for the Utah Utes. Here's my verdict on Utah, though. It's actually kind of hard to say. It's actually it actually is kind of hard to say. I've read a lot of reports, looked at a lot of analyses, and really, there's what the final verdict came down to. The preseason Pac-12 media poll tabbed the Utes to win the conference this season, but the national media doesn't seem to have quite caught up to that point. I agree with the Pac-12 media poll, though. From what I've previewed, from what I've looked at, from the practices to the scrimmages, 
to analysis. I think the Utes have the talent to win the conference this season. I really think they do. But once again, that's just the preseason Pac-12 media poll. The national media does not seem to have caught up to that point yet. And who knows if they will catch up to that point. At number 15, on the AP poll, AP Top 25 poll, Utah is two spots behind Washington and four spots behind Oregon. Oregon is, Oregon's a great football team. Do not get me wrong. They really are. They are a phenomenal football program. And also Washington is as well. But I think Utah is better than Washington. I think where Utah kind of matches up evenly, though, is with Oregon. But once again, ladies and gentlemen, preseason votes don't mean anything. But there's a bit of disconnect in terms of what we can expect from this Utes team. The BYU game is definitely going to be a decent litmus test, really. We can assume, I think every one of us out there can assume Kyle Whittingham's team will have a solid defense and defense and DL Lakey Foto has All-American potential with NFL Draft buzz to boot. Now you have two key guys returning as well. You have quarterback Tyler Huntley and running back Zach Moss. And they are going to anchor. Not anger, sorry. Anchor. An underrated backfield. The Utes really match up to be a tough team to stop this year. Rivalry games camper to can't produce any number of results but a loss in week one would definitely definitely cool some of the trendy huge chatter there's definitely there's a lot of chat going around about these guys for viewing information for the game the date for the game is going to be thursday august 29th the time is 10 15 p.m eastern standard time the location is Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo, Utah. You can watch the game on TV at ESPN. And for those of you who are interested in live streaming the game, you can live stream the game at watchespn.com. Here, here's, here's the game predictions, though, ladies and gentlemen. Even though Utah has won the last day, there's only been one blowout. And that was in 2010 when the Utes won 54-10. to Outside of that game, what, what, what fans in Utah call the Holy War has been a single possession game. BYU, from what I've looked at, lots of people are picking BYU at plus 5.5. I don't agree with that though. I don't. I don't agree with that. I I'm going with the Utes, and not just because I am a Utes fan, but because this group is a punishing group. This group will not be fun to play at all. 
But I, once again, I think it, it will be a tight game. You're at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And that really is, that is one of the funnest places to watch a football game. High energy there. The fans love their team. But I also think, I mean, BYU is going to be jacked. They're going to be ready to prove to the fans that, yes, we can't beat Utah. But Utah is also going to be jacked, and they're going to prove that, yes, we can beat you again. We are going to win nine in a row now. That's what they're going to want to show. And, and, And if you don't agree with me, then I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is definitely going to be a great game, though. Um, that often that college football starts with rivalry games. I mean, it really doesn't. But, I mean, we saw the Florida-Miami game. They gave us some of that in week zero. And the Colorado-Colorado State game. That was that was actually a really fun game to watch. I mean, once again, these games have high intensity. The fans are revved. So one thing though that I do that I do think is you know BYU and the Utah rivalry sometimes gets lost in the mix. That's not as recognized. But this is going to be a great game. Of the two teams, really, really. Utah enters with the loftier expectations. The Utes, like I said before, everyone's pegging them to win the Pac-12 and even have some trendy playoff crashing aspirations. However, the best way to go from underrated to overrated is to lose in week one to BYU. And no opponent would gladly oblige with the switch Quite like BYU. I already I already discussed with you what we can expect from Thursday's game. I gave you some some storylines, my predictions. I gave you also a little bit of viewing information. But there it is, ladies and gentlemen. That that's all I can lay out for you right now. Utah, you do not want to go from underrated to overrated. People already think you're overrated. If you beat BYU week one, you will stick where you are and fans will believe, and fans can also believe, that you can win the Pac-12. And I think that the national media will start catching up to you. And also believe that you can win the Pac-12. Okay, if you if you're Utah, you want it the other way. You want to kick their trash. So they go from underrated to overrated real fast cuz being ranked number 15, that is that's the highest they've been in a long time. So but they, like I said before, impressive squad. Impressive sw- squad. I'm excited to see what happens on Thursday. But there you have it, though. There's the Bears for you. And there's the BYU-Utah game. After the break, I, I'm going to come back and talk to you about the re, the newly released Cy Young polls and who I think will win it and who, what it will come down to. So make sure you stay tuned and 
listen to after the break. The second hour starts now. Welcome back. Second hour of the Cooking Up Sports with Cage Bull Show podcast. Make sure you can find the podcast on any platforms, whether that be Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you can find a podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Leave us a review. Uh, share this with some friends, family, whatever. Uh, much appreciated. And thank you for those who are listening to today's show. To uh, close out today's show, I want I uh, told you at the end of the first hour I was going to talk about the Cy Young poll. And I am. And I want to talk about really the the biggest thing for me is the American League. It's a race, one race, and a battle of two teammates. And those two teammates I'm talking about are Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. I want to talk about Justin Verlander. This, so far, in the American League, Justin Verlander is the leader right now. He holds 21 first-place votes. This season, Justin Verlander has posted a 0.81 whip. And that his whip would qualify as the second best single season mark since the dead ball era. <coughs> Excuse me, voice crack. Since the dead ball era, when Pedro Martinez had a 0.74 whip in 2000, which is the lowest in Major League Baseball history. Verlander has led the American League in whip three times in his career and potentially a fourth. Verlander, those years consist of his 2011 season, 2016 season, and his 2018 season. His last seven starts, he has double-digit strikeouts, and he has become the fifth player to do so in Major League history, along with Chris Sale, Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, and Pedro Martinez. Chris Sale and Pedro Martinez do own the MLB record as each push their streak to eight games, something that Chris Sale has actually accomplished twice in his career. So you hear those names here, Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, Chris Sale. Uh, These guys are fantastic pitchers. Verlander will go down as one of the best in, in baseball history. Verlander, for me, is a no-doubt Hall of Famer. There is no question about it. He's just had an absolutely phenomenal career. And I salute him. His change of scenery for him led to a Cy Young, an AL Cy Young on the Astros. The Astros move has been good for him. You can tell he loves this the city of Houston. And the city of Houston has really embraced him. In second place... We have his teammate, Garrett Cole. He has 16 first-place votes. Garrett Cole, in 15 consecutive starts, is unbeaten. He has not lost. His last 15 starts contains an 11-0 record with a 1.84 ERA and 12.7 strikeouts per nine innings. This guy... <clears throat> on August 22nd 
struck out 12 over 7 innings. This is a solid, solid guy. I liked Garrett Cole a lot. Once again, change of scenery. Garrett Cole was always a great pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates, but being on the Houston Astros this year really ramped up his intensity. He's been a lot more solid this season. He's insane. He is absolutely insane. And I like Garrett Cole a lot. Somebody I hope he comes to the Angels next year with free agency. I think he will come to the Angels just because of these reasons. His family's out there. He He's lived there. He lives there now. So, I mean, it's it all makes sense for him to come here. But who knows? The Angels have the option to pick up Cole Calhoun's $14 million option, or they don't. So that could free up some cash. And I really think this offseason, the Angels, this that's the big thing. Pitching rotation. That is one thing they will need to focus on. The Astros are 13-2 and in Cole's last 15 starts. His streak of 11 consecutive wins is a career high and the most for the Houston Astros since Wade Miller won 12 straight in the 2002 season. He has allowed more than two earned runs once in those 15 starts and finished at least seven innings in seven of his last nine games. So this guy's getting innings, solid amount of innings, solid amount of strikeouts, solid ERA, and a phenomenal record. I like this guy a lot. In third place, we have the guy I chose to win AL Cy Young, but it doesn't look like he will. But I still respect him a lot. He's had an amazing season. It's Charlie Martin. Charlie Morton has zero first place votes. Charlie Morton, though, his 2.85 ERA is third in the American League behind, guess who? Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. <coughs> Excuse me. His name is dotted across the leaderboard. He has... He is second in OPS with .604, fourth in whip at 1.06, and batting average 212. And finally, he's tied for sixth in strikeouts with 197. On August 16th, 2019, Charlie Morton became the first American League pitcher in four years to be charged with a loss while not allowing an earned run and getting double-digit strikeouts. That is absolutely insane to me. That is so crazy. Other receiving votes in the American League for the American League Cy Young goes to Mike Miner, Lucas Giolito, Shane Bieber, and and Aroldis Chapman. I thought that was an interesting list. I like Lucas Giolito, Bieber, Miner's having a killer season, and Chapman's killer as well. And the National League, drum roll for first place. It goes to my guy, who I chose to win, National League Cy Young, Hunjin Rio. Hunjin Rio holds 22 first-place votes. Before the Yankees scored seven earned runs off Ryu. <coughs> Sorry, I'm my throat's pretty dry. Before the Yankees scored seven earned runs off Ryu on August 23rd, at Dodger Stadium, he'd allowed two earned runs in his previous 57 and two-thirds innings at home. In 24 starts this season for Ryu, 
He has allowed more than 200 runs just three times. This guy's phenomenal. He's winning it for me. There's no question about it. I do like the next guy on the list, though, but I don't think he's going to win it in the end. Guy, second place, Max Scherzer. Mr. Two Eyes himself, black guy. This guy, I mean, he's he's everything. Max Scherzer holds 11 first place votes. He remains near the top of the Cy Young polls despite just making two starts since the All-Star break. Two of those starts, one of the starts has included a four-inning, one-run effort against the Pirates on August 22nd. Nevertheless, though, his 2.41 ERA is the second lowest in the National League, and his 192 strikeouts are the fourth most. Before dealing with some injuries that he's gotten himself into this season, he'd pitched at least seven innings and seven straight starts and given up more than one run once during that stretch. Third place guy, Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom holds four first place votes. He's a killer guy. You got to like Jacob DeGrom a lot. His 1.4, one, sorry, 1.04 ERA in eight starts since the All-Star break is the NL's second lowest. DeGrom now has four 200 strikeout seasons in the last five years, joining Former Mets pitcher Tom Seaver. Tom Seaver has nine. Other notable Mets pitchers who have had over four strike 200 strikeout seasons include Dwight Gooden and David Cohn. Dwight Gooden had four and David Cohn has had four as well. And these guys so far are the only Mets to post at least four 200 strikeout seasons. DeGrom, though, has allowed three earned runs or fewer in 17 straight starts and 52 of 55. So Jacob DeGrom, definitely a solid pitcher. I'd, I'd take him any day. On August 23rd, Jacob DeGrom, he homered. That was insane. He homered. And then he struck out 13 versus the Atlanta Braves. Others receiving votes in the National League include Steven Strasburg, Clayton Kershaw, and Kirby Yates. I like Strasburg a lot. Like Kershaw had a rough start recently against the New York Yankees. I mean, Judge cranked that ball off him. Obviously, you have the crack in who's hot, Gary Sanchez. While you look at the votes and you hear, oh my gosh, I mean, Verlander holds 21 and Cole holds 16. That's not a lot. That's not a lot. That's only five first place votes between the two. So it all depends on how the two's Septembers go. If Verlander doesn't have a great one and Garrett Cole has one, it belongs to Cole. If they both have about the same September, they will belong to Justin Verlander. I was just sad to hear that Charlie Morton had none. I I really like him. 
And if you listened to a couple episodes ago, you heard me rant and rave about Charlie Morton this season. He is having a phenomenal season. He come came from the Houston Astros to the Tampa Bay Rays. He he is he, he's absolutely insane. I mean, you got you got to love the guy. I mean, I respect him. He's had a very respectable career. Oh, I mean, he's he's pitched for the Pirates. He's pitched for the Astros. He's pitched for the Tampa Bay Rays now. This is a this is a good guy. I like him a lot. And somebody I I would definitely be happy to pick up as an Angels. The National League, let me tell you, I wasn't surprised. Was not surprised to hear Hunjin Ryu holds twenty two first place votes. This is an impressive young man again. He plays very well. He just he has that charisma this season that really that really nobody can hit off of him. So that for me are the Cy Young polls. Those those were the polls, but I gave my little analysis of each of the players and told you a little bit about them this season. Uh, that's going to be all for today's episode, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And make sure to tune in next time.